Well, we're in week two of this series uh, we're calling Hostage. And um, I don't know about you, but when I watch that, it's, it doesn't take long to start to feel what it's like to be a hostage. Or just looking at the artwork, it, you just kind of naturally go right there to that spot. And um, it's a place that we, we know that we're not supposed to be, um, to be held hostage. It's one of those lonely, dark places that all we can think of is, is to escape, to set, be free from that. And so that's why over the next few weeks, we've been, we put this series together to look at some things that hold us hostage and um, look at how we can break free. I want to read a definition of uh, what Webster says a hostage is. Um, but before I do that, I want to get Bibles in your hands because uh, throughout the morning here, we're going to be looking at God's Word. So the ushers will come down. If you don't have a Bible, just kind of nudge them or signal to them. They will give you a Bible. It is yours to keep. You don't have to return it. Uh, we believe the words in there are true, and we know that the truth will set you free. So just signal to them. They'll give you one. Here's what Webster says a hostage is. It's a person held by another as security for the fulfillment of certain conditions or terms or uh, promises. A person held by another as security for the fulfillment of certain conditions or terms or promises. So in essence, the one that's being held is a slave to the one that's holding them. And um, Paul wrote to the church of Galatia. And he was writing them about some things that were going on. They were starting to live under the law or trying to do that again. And Paul's trying to set them straight. And uh, he says something in chapter 5 that holds true for us as well. So we're not dealing with the same condition, but the principle behind what he says is very true. Galatians 5, verse 1, which is on page 810 of the Bibles that you just uh, received. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, we're not supposed to be entangled with any one, anything. Um, we're, not spo- we're not designed to be slaves. Um, and Peter says, in First Peter 2, he says it this way, and this is my translation of it. He says, yes, we are to live as if we are free. We're to live as free. But... If you're going to be slaves, be a slave to God. We're to be held hostage by nobody other than God. And so that's what this series is about, is helping you identify in your life, are you being held hostage by something or someone, and it's not God, because he wants to set you free from that. Last week, Donnie was in here talking about identity, and today I'm in here talking about being held hostage through bitterness. Now, I, I get these, I want to stop, because I get these topics. I don't, I don't know if you've seen a pattern, but the stuff that I get assigned to me, like Donnie throws my way, um, I'm seeing a little pattern with it. So I went to the listen page and, uh, to confirm what I was feeling inside. The topics that I've got over the past year are, let's see, anger, <laughs> conflict resolution, um, there was another, pursuing of peace, and today I've got bitterness. So I told the folks at Six Forks, I said, you know me, just, do you and Donnie see something? Just pull me aside, call me on the phone. I don't have to do, you know, talk and go through this uh, publicly. Um, so, but we chuckle and um, 
I really think God was up to something. You know, I, I think I get the topic for a reason. Um, we meet in what we call a creative team, and we meet months in advance, and we figure out the series for a set number of months, and we dole out the topics, and I got this topic. And as soon as I got the topic of bitterness, I started thinking, oh, I know a person that needs to be here. You know, I hope that they come on this day. Lord, they haven't been in a little while, but I've watched you over and over again. They may not come, but the sermon that they needed to hear, they came walking through that lobby. I know it was divine. So, Lord, do that at, at this sermon of bitterness. These people, bring them. And uh, you, you probably know where this is going. He, he had somebody else that he wanted to, uh, to deal with. About two weeks ago, I went to a, a conference in Nashville, Tennessee. It was the Asso- American Association of Christian Counselors. It's a world conference. They have professional counselors, lay counselors, and pastors there. So there were 6,000 people there worshiping and equipping themselves. And the first session that I went to, um, forgot the exact title, um, but what it was, was uh, embracing the dying, as you know, helping them walk the end of life and to help them um, pack their bags, if you will. Um, and that I have, you know, my heart is there. I've got a passion for that, and I was really looking forward to that session. Uh, some of you know, and I, I've shared this before, but my sister at age 38 got diagnosed with uh, terminal colon cancer uh, in June of 2001. And by ju- uh, January of 2002, she had passed away. And so I had some time with her where I could... I, my brother and I walked with her through this this time, so I was really looking forward to this session because i didn't i hadn 't been through a class i didn 't have the manual I, you know uh, so I was really looking forward to what was going the content of this class um, but I got to back up a little bit because when my sister was diagnosed, her marriage went from like bad to worse um, and I know mar- it 's a two way street you know relationships there's there's stuff going on on both sides. But what I will tell you is that I saw and heard stuff that made my sister's last few months absolutely miserable. And it angered me, and it should have angered me. Um, But my brother-in-law dealt with that prior to her death, right? The the, the last day, last moments, her last breath, literally, he, he, he dealt with that. They got that resolved. And so here I was, eight years later, 3,000 days later, and I'm in this session, and you would think that I'm going to just remember the times with Les and what my brother and, and, and I did to help her, but what's the thing that is so fresh in my mind, and it had been fresh for years and years, I kept bringing it back up, and what it was was my brother in law. I kept replaying those six months and how he and I just kept, even though he had resolved, you know, he'd taken, I kept ruminating on it for eight years. And so I sat in that session, and, you know, there was the session going on, but inside, the Lord and I were having a conversation. He's like, you remember that other person that the sermon was supposed to be for? It's you. No, 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 Lord. It's, no, it's not me. It's, it's, a, it's you. You got to look inside. There's some stuff that I want you to deal with. And so um, that's kind of a little journey through. I think I got this topic on purpose. Um, I realized that I was uh, uh, probably a classic definition for somebody who was bitter. You may have looked at me and said, no, right. 
But you, if you could look inside, you would have seen um, what was going on and how often I kept replaying what was going on. I realized I was a slave, a hostage to bitterness. And, you know, maybe you are going through something. Maybe anger has gone on for too long and you find yourself in the same spot. So many different things can bring us there. Um, just work situations. If you've been, you know, performing in a job at, you know, top rate for the longest time and you told your boss you wanted this position and you worked hard and all of a sudden somebody else ends up getting the position and you're like, how about the conversation, all of this, you know, and even though you heard an answer for, you know, this all took place maybe three months ago or six months or a year, you just, now the sight of the person, either the manager or the person that took your job just keeps, you keep replaying that. So you can, this, you can get bitterness at work, you can get bitterness in your relationship. If a spouse had an affair on you, say years ago, you could have processed it, you could have stayed together, gone to counseling, and thought that it was all done, but you get in that spot where you keep expressing that there was this hurt that you thought you let go, but you keep expressing your anger and your resentment and your bitterness, and it just keeps rearing its ugly head. I, I look at these things like whack-a-mole. You end up, you know, just keep, when you think it's gone, it keeps popping back up. You know, youth can hit this as well. You can have a friend who starts to be so critical uh, of you so that they can gain the friendship of somebody else. But those games don't stop just with, ki- uh, with the youth. Adults play that, that same game as well. It can happen, um, maybe it's not a person that you can get bitter with. You can get bitter at God. Hey, you know, Lord, this, the economy's the way it is. You know I got the perfect skill set and there's this job here in Raleigh. I got the skills. I got all it. I'm the perfect match. Why did that not? Why didn't you allow that to come into my life? Or, you know, Lord, my loved one, why did you let them uh, leave us so early? You know, I, I love you. I'm devoted to you. I want that fullness, that abundance, that completeness that you talk about. And is, is this what it is? You know, my ex being vengeful at me and losing it. Is this what this is all about? And we can find ourselves getting in this pattern, feeling held hostage to our bitterness. And it's something that we know we want to break free from. And perhaps some of this is connected with you, just a few examples. But does our bitterness ever set us free? It it does maybe for a millisecond, Uh, not, not much at all. But what I, I find with, with this is that I've never had somebody come into my office and say, Rob, will you, I'm here today. I usually like to hear why they're coming. I'm here today. I've never had somebody come in and say, I'm here today because I would really like for you to help me experience true bitterness. Can you help me do that? I really want, you know, I want the faith angle and I want my life and I want you to kind of integrate those two things so that I can feel true, true bitterness. Um, If I ever got that, I'd say, don't waste your time. We don't have to waste 50 minutes. You know how to do that. uh, You know, I don't have to teach you anything. Um, And if they pressed me on the issue, I I couldn't do it. Bitterness is not an attribute of God. You may think so, depending on your upbringing, your religious upbringing. You may think, oh, 
He is bitter. Um, but no, if you look at Scripture, what you'll find is you'll find people who are like you and I who do not, that can sometimes not process the hurt and what's going on. So you find people like Cain who is so angry uh, at his brother and he just lets it grow to hatred and resentment. He ends up killing his brother. Joseph's brothers, they were jealous of him. And they didn't t- stop and say, ooh, jealousy, how do I, you know, what do I do with that? They just kept feeding it. And they ended up, uh, they committed murder of the heart because they took him, threw him in a ditch, and they thought he was g- as good as dead. Um, so you'll see that um, bitterness never, never sets us free at all. What it does, though, usually two things I feel inside. One, I want revenge. And you probably understand what that feels like. You're like, I want the tables turned. I want that person to pay for what they did. Um, so we often seek revenge. I was listening to 101.5 about two weeks ago. And there's actually people that you can engage to uh, go and be a thorn in somebody's side if they've hurt you. Now, I was saying in first service, you're probably like, yeah, no kidding. That's been around for a while. It's the mafia. Um, no, this, this is actually, you can go to a website and just, uh, engage them in getting back at somebody. And I actually, uh, I was uh, going around, I was like, I got to find that website and I'm trying to find it. And, and I just stopped. Why am I, why am I getting that website? I'm not going to give it to the people. They, they know what, you know, they know how to be bitter already. I'm not going to feed their fire. So, um. So one of the things we, we want to do is, is to seek revenge. We want the tables turned. We want the people to understand the hurt and to pay us back. Another thing that uh, bitterness does is it causes us to avoid, to avoid the person, the place, the thing. Um, now, hear me on this. I don't mean healthy avoidance where you've got to put up a boundary so that you don't, um, you know, you don't continue to get hurt. I'm talking an avoidance where you know you really should be engaging in this situation and you're not because you just, you want them to pay before you engage in that situation. Um, and that's kind of like what I was going through. I, uh, that's the way I did this is I avoided my brother-in-law for eight years. Now avoid, it, again, if you to look at my personality, you say, well, you talked about your family, your nephews were around, yes. But if you were to see the kind of per- immediate family, extended family is very important to me. So I will email, I will call, I will text, we'll have family down. We will go out of our way when we're in different towns to try to engage the family. I did not do that with my brother-in-law and my, and my nephews. I just didn't. And what that did, one of the things, it caused me to miss out of eight years of my nephews' lives, watching them grow up. But even, even worse, they missed out in an uncle who was engaged in their life. So, you know, I was not only hurting myself, I was hurting others. And that's why perhaps God's word says in Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, a bitter root causes bitter fruit. And I, I, under, I understand that. I saw that. And you know what? That bitter fruit was affecting me, and it was affecting my nephews. 
Some translations say defile, others say poison many. That, at, that emotion of bitterness is destructive, it's corrosive, it's poisonous. And Galatians 5 says it is destructive. It is of your own old nature. It is not of the Spirit of God. And it's not an emotion we are to seek after. Bitterness certainly is not an attribute of the, of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I felt that, I saw that, and perhaps you're processing, if, if you're dealing with some bitterness, I'd just say, how, where's your bitterness getting you? How's it going for you? Are you f- experiencing long, uh, prolonged freedom? My guess is, is that y- you haven't. And uh, you're probably worried and fearful a lot. You've got ulcers. You're probably a very, very critical person. And if you're critical, I can guarantee you that you have very few, if not no friends. Um, because critical people do not attract friends. You don't see a better person go, oh man, I, they, they present this aura about them. I just need to be around them. No. You, you, oh, you, you go the other way. Um, so you're probably processing it in that way, you, you know, just critical and, and lonely. And um, What we've got to realize is, if you're like me, I, I wanted to break free from I didn't like being trapped in that pattern of uh, recalling those hurts and playing them over and over again. One of the first steps in really breaking free from it is to realize that bitterness is rooted in unforgiveness. Bitterness is rooted in unforgiveness. Um, that freedom somehow comes through forgiveness. And um, the Lord, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And in one of the sentences in there, you all know it, if you know the Lord's Prayer, it's uh, short, but it is, it, it is a challenging one to us, and it's a command to us. He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, debt is sin, is wrong, it's the hurt. So we, as we have forgiven them, it's not as we will or is it if they, uh, they perform and we can you know, free them of it, if they repent. No, it's assumed that you are forgiving them. Now, this is the point in talk where there may be tension. You're like, you have no grip on reality, Rob. Um, the, there is hurt that was done to me uh, for years, and you don't understand the complexity and the idea of forgiveness. You're in a dream world. Um, hang with me. That the, the, the first part that I want you to hear is that we are commanded to forgive. It is not an option. You can look at Matthew 6, Luke 11. You can look at uh, Colossians 3, Ephesians 4. And if you go from the cover to cover and you look, you'll see attributes of a forgiving God. So the idea that he calls us to forgive or commands us to forgive is not out of his character. We are to forgive. But what I want to say to you right here so that you'll take a few steps with me um, through the rest of this talk is don't confuse forgiveness and reconciliation. They are two different things. And we'll talk about that. But forgiveness and reconciliation, they are different. When there's a debt, there are two options with a debt. Just think of banking. When there's a debt, if somebody owes me, one of the options is you pay up. You owe me something, you pay up. Option number two, 
I cancel the debt. I let it go. That involves a loss. And who's going to eat the loss? Me. Either you make me pay, I make you pay, or I cancel the debt and absorb the loss. What unforgiveness is, unforgiveness is where you're saying, I'm not letting go. You're going to pay. It's that refusal to let go. And then we become just like the person that hurt us. Because I want you to hurt because you hurt me. I'm now the, the victim becomes the victimizer. And in essence, I, I'm no different than the one that hurt me. God has a completely different alternative for us, and that is forgiveness, to be able to let it go and to absorb the loss. Now, yeah, but it's so hard to forgive. I think some of the, our our inability to forgive or, or having it be so hard is because we have misconceptions of what forgiveness really is. We confuse it with, we might say, um, if I forgive, then that means I've got to deny that it ever happened. I've got to forget that hurt. That's not forgiveness. God gave you a brain to remember things, and one of those things is, is when there's pain and when there's hurt, catalog that. <laughs> so that you can avoid that next time. So he's not calling you to forget or to deny. Sometimes it's hard to forgive because we think, if I forgive, then it makes the wrong right. You know? That's, God still calls us to confront wrongs. So forgiveness doesn't have anything with saying that behavior or attitude is, is now right. We are still to go and confront and fight for what is right. We also think sometimes, well, if I forgive, then there's no consequences. You know, I'm going to be a doormat forever. Nope, that's not forgiveness either. There are still consequences for people's behavior. Now, the problem we have is sometimes if we don't see the justice or the consequences for that in like the time frame we want, then we get, you know, we get real frustrated or, or angry. Or Forgiveness isn't, the consequences should still, they will still hold. God isn't canceling that. But ultimately, if we're not, ultimately, we got to let God deal with the wrath part. And his word says, I'm the one that's going to be the judge. Leave that up to me. You're not supposed to be the one holding other people accountable. So ultimately, we got to be able to, part of the letting go is just saying, that's your role, not my, my role, and to give that up. So we confuse forgiveness sometimes with this thing that there are no consequences. And then the thing about, this is a big one, that it's hard to forgive because we think it's reconciling. It's not. Reconciliation takes two parties that are willing to try to reconcile. God is only calling you to one side of that equation, and it's not, he's saying just, I'm calling you to forgive from the heart. It's not reconciliation. That's something different. And another person has to be willing to let you do that. So don't confuse the two. They are completely different. And sometimes it's hard to f forgive because we put conditions on it. I will forgive you as long as you repent. Or I will forgive you if you don't, if you don't do this you know, two times or three times or whatever it is. But we put conditions. And so when the conditions aren't met, we confuse the whole idea. Those are all misconceptions of forgiveness. What I want to do 
is look at some truths about forgiveness. And we're going to look at, um, in your Bibles, it's not going to be up on the screen, but Matthew chapter 18, I think it's verse 21. Um, that's page, let's see, 683 in the Bibles that we handed out. But I want to look at that, that parable for some facts. It opens up with Peter saying this. He says, Lord, how many times am I to forgive my brother? Seven? And the Lord says, no, 70 times seven, or 77 times, depending on your translation. Um, and just from that little short, short dialogue, we can learn we, two facts about forgiveness kind of right away. The first is this, is that forgiveness is an event. Forgiveness is an event. Forgiveness, is, the reality of it is forgiveness has to do with understanding there is a debt, but being willing to cancel and let it go. Now you say, yeah, how does that play out in my world? Um, well, you certainly know the negative emotions of bitterness. I don't have to dredge those up. You know, they just keep coming up and cycling like that. Forgiveness is being willing. It's a willful decision to engage in the divine process of taking positive emotions and replacing the negative emotions of unforgiveness with those positive emotions. It's Biggest key in all that is being willing <laughs> to engage. It's a willful decision to engage in that process of taking the positive emotions and putting them over, getting rid of the negative emotions of unforgiveness. The other thing, so um, forgiveness is an event, but forgiveness, just from the short little dialogue that we have with Peter and the Lord, is uh, forgiveness is also a process. Forgiveness is an event, and forgiveness is a process. This is an important one, because if we don't realize that, that it can go on for a little bit, you are going to get so frustrated, depressed. Um, sometimes the Lord will allow us to forgive instantaneously. It just happens. But many times, he'll let it take longer because there's stuff that's got to be dealt with inside. You know, Peter says, how many times am I going to forgive? Seven. He's trying to put a boundary on it. And he thought he was being generous because the teachers of the day were saying, well, our interpretation of that law is three times. You're to forgive three times. And Jesus' response is, listen, where there's love, there's no boundary. There's no limit. You are to forgive. And so here he was trying to put a boundary on it. And so um, forgiveness is an event and it is a process. So for some of you, it may take some time, but it's the willingness to engage in that process. Now, in that story, what, uh, it goes on and Jesus says, listen, the kingdom of God is like a king that went out and wanted to settle his debts. He had some outstanding debt that was due him. So he went to his servants and said, you know, one of them, who owed him uh, 1,000, I think it was 10,000 talents. and said, it's time, time to pay up. Now, one talent, huge fortune. 10,000 talents, you can't comprehend it. So you get the weight of the debt that was due. So that servant comes and says, be patient with me, please. And it says, uh, when you read it, it says, the king had took pity on him, and he said, I will. I cancel your debt, and he lets him go. And then, what does that servant do? <laughs> he goes and finds the servant who owes him. 
he owes him um, 100 denarii, which is not a small number. Think of about 100 days' wages. What's that, like three months, maybe some severance pay to give you, if there's severance at all. Um, but it's, it's, not a, it's not a big amount. It's, you see the difference between the two. And he goes, he says, pay up to his fellow servant. And the servant you know, falls to his knees, be patient with me. Pay up. And he threw him in prison. You know, one was forgiven this huge debt. And here's what we read at the end there. Um, The parable goes on. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And then Jesus closed with these words. This is how my father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You see, we forgive because we've been forgiven. I came to a point in my life where uh, I knew that I had to do something with the hatred and the anger that was within me. Uh, It was consuming me. All I wanted to do was to to destroy things and kill people. I, I was being just as bad as the ones that destroyed my family. Well, there, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about forgiveness, and it's in the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, we will be forgiven as we forgave. And that one little statement right there taught me a valuable lesson that if I want to be forgiven, I've got to learn how to forgive. Well, when I, when I learned that, I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I can't do this. And he says, well, Ron, you're right. You can't. But through me, you can. I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone one night, and I was been talking to him a lot about Carla Faye Tucker. And he said, well, you know she's in town, don't you? And I said, yeah, I know that. And he says, well, you ought to go down there and just give her a piece of your mind. Of course, he didn't know where I was at and what I was thinking. And I told him, I said, well, I've been thinking about doing something just like that. And I slammed the phone down. I go up to the 12th floor of the Harris County Jail. I fill out a slip. I stand there and I wait. And next thing I know, here comes Carla Faye Tucker walking up to this class. And I walk up to her, and she looks at me, and she says, who are you? And I look at her, and all I say is, I'm the brother of Deborah. She looks at me again, but then it's like, who are you? You know, she knows who I am, but she can't believe what's going on. And I tell her the same thing, I'm the brother of Deborah. At that point, she starts to cry. In the middle of all of that, I'm interrupting her, saying, Carla, Whatever comes out of all of this, I just want you to know that I forgive you and I don't hold anything against you. Then it was about that time that the guards, they thought I was, you know, causing a problem. They were fixing to come pull me out of there and they were fixing to come pull her out. Well, she was waving them off, telling them, no, no, leave us alone, everything's fine. It was at that point when I told her, I forgive you and I don't hold anything against you, that's when that hatred and that anger was taken away. It was like a great weight 
was lifted off of my shoulders. It's unbelievable that he could forgive you for killing his sister. It's definitely. It affected me. It's amazing, you know, and, and if people never believe me, they can't possibly look at Peggy and Ron and not believe that, you know, not believe God in them because they couldn't do it any other way. So. See, we forgive because we've been forgiven. Somebody who's experienced forgiveness will go and be willing to forgive others. And in this parable we read, it would be ludicrous or it would be wicked for us not to do that and instead to hold on. And you may say, yeah, this is just, it's so hard. How, how do I ever do that? That's going to be painful. You know, and the video said, you know, that's right. You can't do it yourself. Frank Minrith says this, human power alone is not sufficient to reach full forgiveness. There is an element of forgiveness that is divine. It cannot be reached without God alone. You see, forgiveness is a gift from God to the forgiver. And in this situation in my life, with this one little thing, so I, knew, I knew all this, but I had to connect with the heart. You see, that, that passage, Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, he died on that cross for us. He canceled my debt. He absorbed the loss before I ever said anything. I didn't have to, the only thing, that came years later. But I could do this. Um, the words in there were God in them. I knew I could do this because of the spirit of the one who forgave as a Christ follower resides in us. So it's true that I can't do it myself. But I can engage in that process and watch the divine forgiver go and allow me to seek freedom in that and to actually let it go. About two weeks ago, as I sat in that, that seminar, I knew part of, you know, the heart was already starting to be dealt with, the, the, the unforgiveness and the forgiving. But there was a part of my little journey here that did deal with reconciliation. They are different, but part for me was in that process. And I called him on the phone. I remember driving around Kansas City. My wife was in the car, and she said, who are you calling? So I'm calling my brother-in-law. And she what, 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 what are you doing? And, and the phone just rang, and it rang, and it rang, and it rang, and I thought he would never pick up. And he picked up, and I said, I bet you, you're wondering why this number is calling you. He said, yeah, I really, really did. And I had the opportunity to share with him that the way I handled it was wrong. And we just had a, a great conversation from that point. And yes, I did experience the freedom of forgiveness, but I also knew I was commanded to do it. So if I was absent of that freedom, I'm still called to do it. But I did experience that freedom of forgiveness. You can do this because of the spirit of the one who forgives resides in you. I wish there were, uni there were like formulas that I could give you for forgiveness. What I can tell you, there are different techniques and all this, but it still has that underlying principle that there's a debt that's to be paid. And that debt, that, that hurt, that dreams, the hopes, the all dashed, 
that, that's the painful part of this, and something has to happen to that. It, the, that loss has to be absorbed or let go. And you've been held hostage for too long holding on to that. And maybe today is a time where he's saying, I'm the divine forgiver. Listen, the, the door to freedom is, is guarded by your heart. Will you let me in? I know how to do all of this. Look at the cross. I know how to absorb a loss. Stop guarding, stop keeping yourself prisoner and trying to open up that gate. Let me do that for you. I can absorb the loss. May today be a time where you engage with him in seeking freedom in your unforgiveness. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that um, ah, it seemed like such a, a big task to be able to forgive, nor did I want to forgive. But I'm thankful for your truth and for your son. That cross just shouts, you're a God of forgiveness. Help us to kind of look at all the misconceptions today and to be able to set those aside and then talk to you about where to go with this bitterness and, and follow your lead in seeking freedom and uh, we want to do that through your strength because we know where our strength gets us. And uh, we want to follow your lead. Thank you. Thankful that you are the divine forgiver. And we just uh, go to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.